0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Share Your Truth Live. Y'all are in for a treat. Our amazing guest, 2AM Ricky, is ready to share their knowledge and experiences with us. 2AM Ricky is a recording artist, songwriter, actor, and model, breaking barriers and making strides in the industry. Ricky is an advocate for the LGBTQ community and an openly transgender rapper. He's also a survivor of intimate partner violence and discusses the additional barriers that Black trans men may face when seeking out support. In 2021, Ricky became the first Black transgender male artist to land number one on any music chart. He was listed in New York Today's Hottest Young Artist of 2022. When he's not rapping or modeling, behind the scenes, Ricky's a notable songwriter and a keynote speaker with expertise in brand partnerships, social media marketing, and diversity inclusion. Welcome, Ricky. We are so excited to have you in this space with us.
1: Thank you, Taylor. I'm so happy to be here.
0: There's so much I'm excited to chat with you about, but it feels like a really good place for us to start is you kind of just talking through a little bit about yourself, the work you do, and how you came into the domestic violence space.
1: So as you all heard, my name is 2AM Ricky, pronouns he him. I am a recording artist, I am a songwriter, um, I do a lot of public speaking on trans awareness, domestic violence, IPV and mental health for trans men. And the way that I got into that space is by firsthand experience. I am a a person of trans experience, but I have also dealt with sexual abuse. I've dealt with domestic violence. I've dealt with mental health throughout my life, watching it growing up, and then once I matured into my own relationships. And one thing that I noticed is that even when I myself needed trauma support, needed resources, there was lack. There was lack of people who could even understand my perspective of what is it like to be a trans person, but more importantly, be a trans man, and experience abuse, experience IPB, experience what's it like to have to make a report to the police for your safety. And they look at you like you're the person who's Uh wrong and you're not, or them not understanding even what it means when they have to respond to a situation with a a female and a transgender male. And how does that look? And how do you handle those situations? And finding a lot of people who had been through the same experiences And how either because they couldn't have resources, it just felt like there was no one for them to go to or anyone to listen to them. They turn to violence themselves. They turn to depression. They turn to suicide. They turn into all of these traumatic issues that is rising within our community. And I wanted to find a way to help with not only telling their stories, but how can we find a resolution to it?
0: Mm, Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just yeah, I'm excited to hear more about your experiences and what you offer, because I think. Even in that small answer, you shared so many amazing points that I just want to go off of because it's really important to have these conversations and invite people to the table and into spaces that historically haven't been to make sure that we're getting everybody the support they need. And so everybody has a right to heal and resources and awareness of what's going on. And I know that you spoke about mental health awareness being really important to you. It's something you talk about regularly and in your music. I would love if you could walk us through your journey to advocating for mental health care and awareness.
1: So for me, it started off when I was younger, even as a kid. Um, I was in when I was in high school. I actually led my schools first. It was like a youth led um, nonprofit profit that were like civil rights and different issues. Wow. And in my programming, I developed skits. I developed plays and different things that talked about it. But I pulled from like firsthand stories of like the Renisha McBrides, the people who we would see up in the news and in the press who experienced different traumatic things. But then I also would go to community stories of people who may have been DV or IPV survivors, kids who had watched their parents And we've witnessed it, but no one heard it from our stories and our perspectives, and began telling those stories. Um, As I grew, I got into music. And within my music, I'm very vulnerable. So not only do I tell my own stories, but I tell the stories of others. And because I'm a lyrical artist, I noticed that a lot of people like to dissect. (laughs) That helps with starting conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people are expecting me for a Black trans artist. They're not expecting stories of what is it like to see my mom do this or see my dad do this or I went through this or I went through that. Um, So, whether they see me as another Black trans person or whether they see me as just a Black man who's being vulnerable within this space, the fact that people are seeing someone that looks like them, being open and being honest and saying, hey, I've been here too, um, Mm -hmm. helped open a lot of doors for me.
0: Mm -hmm. And also, vulnerability is just so powerful. Um, and I think it's actively going against that stigma that like being vulnerable is weakness. We know that's like absolutely not the case. And just like how we're going to connect and understand each other is through sharing experiences. Um, I would love to hear how your other classmates, like were people receptive to these skits? Like how did that go over with the school or, and also with like admin and teachers
1: So when I started Truth moving. it did go well. It made a really great impact. It led out to them doing things within the community and stuff like that. Um, Once I graduated high school, like I said, I got into music. And a lot of my IPV and mental health advocacy has grown within my career within music. Um, Because as more people see me as a public figure, as I do more interviews, like what I'm doing with you now, it gives me opportunity to, like I said, be vulnerable, share those spaces, have those conversations with people. People are very receptive to it. I think that it catches people off guard. One, when most people see me, they don't, I don't know, I, I hate when I hear this, but they don't see a trans person, mm-hmm. meaning that they're not aware, they don't know, whatever. Um. So when they then have to hear that this is what my experience has been, it kind of, it, it stirs people a little bit, because it's almost one of those things that, like, you don't know what someone else has been through until you talk to them. Mm-hmm. So yes. things that a lot of times, especially when it comes to spaces of IPV. A lot of times there's a division between men and women and masculine and feminine experiences.
0: Yeah, so binary.
1: I'm able to come into a space and kind of be that middle ground for people to say, hey, I'm a visual example of how we're actually more alike than we are different. And here's how we need to have these conversations. And here's how we need to come together so that we can all be okay, and we can all heal and we can all be safe.
0: Yes, community healing is so important. Um, and helping each other grow and just meeting folks where they are. It sounds like you've been doing this work and having these conversations for such a long time. I just think that's so cool to learn and how you've just continued. And it's kind of like develop and change into different avenues you've been using from theater to music and just, of course, regular conversation. Um, But I know that we also can recognize that Black trans men statistically experience some of the highest rates of violence. I'm wondering if you could speak to some of the obstacles or additional barriers that they may face face when seeking out support.
1: When Black trans men seek out support, for one, one of the biggest obstacles that we face is that people are, for one, they aren't knowledgeable of our existence or our experiences. So I've been in the situation of needing help, needing resources and say, I'm a Black trans man. They don't even know what that means. Happen to take a step further and say, I'm female to male, what does that mean? Mm. So, even the visibility of us, because when you think of transgender, you think of the trans woman. If you look up the word transgender, you will actually see more pictures of trans women than you will trans men. So, then it goes a step further of having people to respect your masculinity, but still honor your experience. Because a lot of times when a, a trans man, especially black trans man, goes into a space for services or needing assistance, it's also that feeling of they kind of have to be, de- they try to dehumanize you to your feminine experience. Mm. You have to make you view you from a woman that's hurt and a battered black woman versus a black man who has gone through this and deserves the same amount of respect, the same yes. amount of resources, the same amount of acknowledgement and honoring. Um, even finding therapy. It's very difficult finding a therapist who knows how to treat you, who knows how to honor you, who knows how to help you navigate this space and understand that your experience is not like a typical experience that they've had before. So even when I've tried to go through like therapy for myself or issues of experiences of domestic violence that I've gone through, it was very hard to find a therapist. And even when I was able to find someone and I was able to find a black female therapist. How many black female therapists do you had? How many black trans therapists do you know? Where can we even get these people? Then even
0: yes, you know, no, this I is some, so real. This is so you know real. What I mean?
1: how, yes. Then I get you? How do I get you to understand where I'm coming from? Because then, as a therapist, I have to make you understand what is my experience. Okay, where am I? My journey. Okay, where is this? Where is and it's it's a lot of having to teach someone just to get help.
0: Uh, which is exhausting. Who wants that? Who wants that help? Yes, that's hard. And
1: and that's why so many Black trans men run into the barriers of they experience it and they go through it, but they don't receive the help. And then on top of that, it's viewed as weak. Who wants to be able to honestly say that here, I've gone through this experience of transitioning, of living in my treatment, though you view me as this big Black man where typically in society, a Black man is stereotyped as a threat. So who wants to say that I'm stereotyped as a threat, but I've now been beaten, I've been battered, I've been threatened, I've been abused, I've been hurt, I've been belittled, I've had my masculinity basically dehumanized from me. And now I need help. And now no one knows how to help.
0: There's so much there. There's just so many different things intersecting. And also I appreciate how you not only bring like the physical barriers of like finding support and getting support. That actually feels comfortable and right. Also, is it even in your insurance? Once you find somebody who you feel like a connection with, like that's like a huge thing too. Of like, maybe there's this great therapist that you want to connect with, but they're not in your insurance, and they're going to cost hundred to one eighty a session, which is then of course another barrier. But I also appreciate how you bring up like the emotional and like mental barriers of like that is so exhausting. Like it's exhausting to get support any day of the week, but that then to constantly have to teach people along the way about your existence and your identity is just, it just, it seems very exhausting. And I think that's a barrier that a lot of people may not actually recognize or acknowledge goes along in the process.
1: It is. And then on top of that, it's also like beyond, beyond that, who creates a, you have to think of like even the anti-trans legislation, right? How do I know that my insurance is going to approve me to be able to have these resources? What if I live in a state mm. and right now there's a, a, there's so much bills and policy against my existence? There's you have to deal with the insurance, the battling of speaking to your insurance and hoping that they approve you because that battle of education of trans experience doesn't stop once you call Blue Cross Blue Shield, once you call once you call Edna or whoever you have, you still got to battle fight those battle with them too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like a it's 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 a never ending fight of who makes it okay for me to feel this hurt and who makes it okay for me to get help.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just so much, especially when your existence is just being threatened so often in today's society and truly like wherever you live could be like a life or death decision Mm -hmm. of whether you have access to heal and get help or not. Um, I'm wondering if you could shed light or speak to some trauma-informed ways that we all could be more supportive of the trans community and of Black trans men in general.
1: I think, for one, starting with conversation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: starting with what we're doing, amplifying the voices of Black trans people that you see, that you know, that are in position and have the firsthand experience and the education that you lack. Right. I feel like there are a lot of allies. There are a lot of people, especially right now, we're in Pride season. We have, again, all this anti-trans uh, anti-LGBTQ policies going on. So there are a lot of people who want to help and they want to know how. But I think that right now, the most important thing that anyone could do is to allow, allow Black trans voices to speak for Black trans experiences. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Reach out to those speakers. Reach out to them. Bring them into your organizations. Bring them to to share their experiences, to share these conversations, to come to your offices, <laughs> to, yes. to your conferences, to come to whatever you have. I think that also doing research, there are so many educators, there are so many conferences, there are so many videos, documentaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> books that have now been banned because of these policies that you can now, that you can look into to educate yourself. 100%. But I think that, amplification of representation and the heightening of conversation are going to be the two biggest things that we all can do to start anything we can't all go jump them in in their offices and all of that but what we can do is make them see that we believe in the voices and we believe in the people who are living through this and therefore we're going to rally together to make sure that their voices their leaders their whoever are heard malcolm and Martin only worked because the communities made sure that Malcolm and Martin were heard. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, Ricky. Yes, all of this. Um. Yes, what you said I think is so important, and I also want to add like compensating people when you bring them in. Black trans. Hey, people. black trans folks. Yes. Hey, this. This is what. Yes, a hundred percent. It's like we can't be doing this free labor. Like if you're a company, organization, whatever, and you're bringing someone in, compensate and pay them for their experience, their expertise, how having this conversation is exhausting and impacting them. So I think it's like not only bringing them in, but like using your resources. And of course, I think like amplifying the voices and stepping back, I think specifically if you're a white cisgender person, using your privilege and power and spaces of bringing in these people, changing company culture, advocating for policy and just knowing when to use your privilege to help amplify other people and support folks that are directly harmed. I also would add, and would love your thoughts on this too, like participating in mutual aid I think is really important because so often like these huge campaigns were like donating to large organizations, which is awesome, but sometimes they're not going to the folks directly impacted as fast or as much financially, like as much as you would want. Um, so I think it's always important to directly give to mutual aids and know that this person is getting what they need and what they're asking for. Um so that's oh, always something I like to put sure. on the radar too.
1: For sure, definitely. I I second and third.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, like give to the people who need it directly. And that's like I just think community healing is so important. Um yeah, gosh, loving this. Um Yes. Any other ways you think that folks can support or steps that they can take?
1: Um, Having these conversations at home goes a long way,
0: right? Mm -hmm.
1: I think that there is a lot of pressure on Black trans folks to educate white cis folks Mm on how it is like to be Black and trans. But I think that there's also not enough conversation of the responsibilities of that community to have that conversation themselves. Like the same way we're expected to sit down with our children and our families and explain to them what it's like for daddy to be a black trans man and what does that mean for them? I think that there should be just as much responsibility within the white cis family to
0: their yes.
1: children and More. say it for you to respect someone as a Black trans person, as a trans person, as a queer person, as a gay person, as a lesbian person, whatever yes. they may be. There is not enough, I think there's too much pressure on the person who is impressed to do the lifting and yes. <laughs> the conversation on the people who already have the power to just lift the weight of themselves.
0: Yes. No, I echo that completely as like, it is so important to stop burdening the people who are directly harmed and oppressed and just really step up of like owning the power and privilege you have and using it to benefit people and educate. Like, yes, it's on us to talk to our family and friends. And when I say us, it's because I'm a white cisgender woman um, just for folks who are listening. Cause obviously you can't see, but I just think it's really important. And I love that you bring that up because we have to take acknowledgement of spaces that we're in and the powers we hold and use it to better others truly um which can be hard for people but i also think we need to educate learn do all the work period no excuses and that's really it
1: and then for those who are with the community like use your platform like for me personally i'm more known although i've been interested in doing this work forever I'm more known for who I am as a recording artist, as a songwriter, as an entertainer, as an actor, as a model, as all these things. But in who I am as 2AM Ricky, because my demographic beyond who I am, my demographic are queer people. They're but trans people. They're black people. They're they're allies. You feel what I'm saying? I have to use my platform to care for my people. So that means that I have to then go out and outside of being an entertainer, I have to step away from those spotlights and say, hey. How can I utilize who I am to get myself into this space So let's have these conversations? How do I utilize who I am to, okay, this company, y'all want to use me as an influencer? Well, before I accept this, these are my terms and my conditions and my terms and conditions a lot of times are not monetary. They have to deal with what of this company doing in their DEI efforts. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if a company is saying that they want to work with me, but there's no respect of certain, I need to know that y'all at least have had some type of safe zone training because do you have trans? Do you have trans- TGNC employees? Are mm-hmm. they respected? Well, let's fix that before I be the Facebook.
0: Yes. You know
1: what I'm saying? Not being afraid to put your foot down and use your power to make sure that things are changing and, or not be afraid to say, okay, I might not be performing, but I'll be vulnerable and I'll speak. I'll be vulnerable and I'll share experiences. I'll be vulnerable and I'll educate. I'll be vulnerable and use who I am outside of this to fight for the people who push me into the spotlight and into who I am in the first place.
0: Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's so real of when, you know, whatever it is, like work organizations, corporations, whoever it may be, if they're bringing in speakers is like, how authentic is it? Like, what is being institutionally done versus are we just doing this to like check a box to say that like, we're supporting these communities. So I'd love that you push back of like, what are you actually doing? Like, I want to see what you're doing. And I want to better understand that like, you are genuinely caring and making these changes for the right reasons, um, versus just for like performance, um, and you know, visuals. So that's sick. Um, and I I want to shift gears just a little bit because I know music is such a huge part of your life. I want to hear how music came into your life and became this vessel for this messaging that you have.
1: Music has been a part of my life my entire life. Um, I've written music, I've written poetry as long as I've known. Um, one of the interesting things about my story is that even when I went through going through the system with social services and some of the things I've witnessed and I experienced, is that they would never believe me until they found my book. And <laughs> when they would find my book and read the lyrics, they would always be like, okay, something has to be wrong because this kid is connecting a little too deeply for this to <laughs> Um When I got into high school, not high school, I got into college, I'm sorry. Um, I graduated early at like 16, 15, 16 years old. So I went to college really early. Oh my yeah, gosh. Like really so fun fact, I like, at least three grades I graduated early on a full ride I had a 3.8 out of a 4.0 GPA I was like a super genius baby I don't know yes
0: (laughs) I'm sure you're still a super genius
1: (laughs) um Joker, but yeah I graduated early um went to college and my best friend actually got murdered on the campus of Mm -hmm. my university. But my best friend is also who named me, who helped me come out about my transition. And they spoke a lot of power into my life. Um, Hezekiah spoke that I was going to be an entertainer, that I was going to be more than just a rapper, but I was going to make a great impact on the world. I was literally everything that Mm y'all see.
0: Yeah. Manifested exactly that.
1: Manifested it. And um, when he passed my first project, was basically saving his case and it had recordings of people who were involved in his death who were were people who did it and witnesses um and i integrated the clippings into it and when you listen begin to end it told the whole story wow it told his story and it told my perspective as the person who was coming from a home of abuse of witnessing certain things of just getting into a space of feeling free, and I have my best friend, I got my brother, and now he's gone, and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my introduction into music. And then again, wow. that that level of vulnerability, that level of honesty, it built that connection. And as I've transitioned, as I've gone through experiences of abuse, as I've gone through domestic violence, as I've gone through IPV, as I've gone through just trauma, mm-hmm. um, from existing in my, in my transness and my blackness and my creativity within the music industry as a queer creative. I needed an outlet to release that so that I didn't harm myself or anyone. Yes. My, I just, um, and that was music and continuing to allow that to just be honest and be vulnerable, but also understanding that the more I'm vulnerable in my music, the more that allows me opportunity to come into spaces like this and be presented with opportunities like this for people to want to just say, "Hey, I heard this, and this spoke on this, and let's 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 dive into that a little bit differently." Um, I think that everybody has a superpower, and a lot of times your insecurities, your pains, the things that you're afraid to be vulnerable about, are your superpower. And so for me, abuse, IPV, BB, all those things are what I choose to release and what I utilize to make sure that I can speak for others.
0: Mm, That's so special. Like turning your trauma into something that can help others and just go so far and impact so many people. And I'm sure so many more people than you even realize. Um, That's incredible. Do you feel like writing lyrics is like healing to you? Like, do you find healing within music?
1: Well, my model, my slogan is listen if you're lonely, because I believe that we're all lonely somewhere, but by the time people finish listening to me, not only are we going to find somewhere that we connect, but I hope you feel a little bit better by the way I'm I think that. I think that music is the first step to healing. I think I that see. healing takes time, but I think that music allows you to at least do the first step, which is admitting and do the second step, which is connecting, finding someone else who it feels just as lonely, feels just as broken as you do. Um, so I don't think that music does the whole job, but I think that it does the most important job, which is allowing that first step to happen.
0: Yeah. And that's great because I think healing is so, so deep, so intricate, and it's never just like a one thing. Um, but I think that's so important to speaking on connection and like wanting to connect with people. Um, what would you say to one of our listeners who's listening to this and just is like, I've never felt so seen and validated? Um, like, would you have any advice or just thoughts for them when they're starting their journey of first feeling this validation?
1: I would say on the feeling that you're feeling right now, hold on to it, because in life. In the journey that you're on, whether you're a person of trans experience, whether you're a person who just exists, right? Um, we're all gonna have lonely parts. We're all gonna have dark parts. Actually, life would life would not be life if it didn't get dark. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to really. Real. That's real. That's real. You don't if it don't get dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so hold on to that validation. Hold on to that feeling, and know that. You don't have to worry about being in the light when you are light. So you have to worry about where you're not seen, where you feel like you're inadequate, where you feel like you're not visible, because the light that you have, the beautiful thing about a light is that somebody needs it to see. So, mm-hmm. the, so what you're dealing with, just just keep going because there's someone who needs you to make it to the finish line so that they can see too. <laughs>
0: Yes. I'm also, I'm very grateful for how thoughtful and intentional you are with like the words that you share. It's just like, it's super refreshing and it's just very authentic and genuine. And I think that just like resonates with a lot of people. Like, I think you just have this really good aura about you that is so just welcoming and validating. Um, so yeah, I was like, let me let me just pop in there and say that because I think I also think that's really important because these conversations and just like learning about things can be really difficult and overwhelming and intense. So I think the way in which you're just providing this is is beautiful. Um I'm trying
1: to tell folks they say they don't know no black trans speakers. I'm talking to y'all.
0: Yes. <laughs> Literally, what the heck? I'm like, yes, Ricky, 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 Ricky. Um <laughs> but getting back to music just for a little bit, I wanna I wanna hear more about what it's been like to use music as a tool to start these conversations about topics that really we're not having every day or a lot of people aren't really having often. Um, or it's not really given the space that it's needs. So I'm just like wondering more about that
1: um it's been interesting especially when I've been doing music for about five to six years now right so and I live in Atlanta so I don't live in a space that people are expecting that when people see me they probably think I, I sing R&B or something like they don't they don't expect me to rap at all um so even to create music and again I'm going to say as a Black trans male creative, and I'm going to emphasize that because there is a stereotype when it comes to especially Black male musicians, especially for the hip-hop and R&B, uh, you're expected to either create violent music, or you're expected to be like a penny dropper R&B singer. Like, there is no way to sleep for us. Um, <laughs> for the simple fact that I even create that style of music and my music is literally created with the intent of I want to connect to you, I want to trigger you, and I want to talk to you, Um, made me stand out in itself, but also was an alley that behind the scenes I have to work a little bit harder and I have to fight a little bit more so that people understand the importance of bringing value and morals and intention back into the music that's created and the music that's released. It's not easy, but I think it's a worth it fight because any fan that I have is not just a fan, it's a person that's a part of a tribe that I know I'm called to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, Because anyone who is a fan of me and listens to me and connects to me is someone who now also has another village, a whole village of people who feel the same as them, who relate to them, who hear what they hear, who feel what they feel. So, the beauty of it has been to allow, has been to not only just be the voice of these people, but to when I have shows, when I do online things, seeing the people who are fans of me like become friends in real life because
0: that's a wholesome they thing.
1: all know like we're all here for the same reason.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like
1: music has allowed me being vulnerable in my music has allowed other people to find their community.
0: Yeah, that's really special. What do you feel like the most rewarding part of this, like? journey of taking people through your music is?
1: The most rewarding part of taking people through my journey through my music is what I'm doing right now. When I'm able to use my voice and I'm making an impact is more important, more meaningful to me than when I'm using my voice to sing any song, make anybody dance, make anybody do anything. And I think that the position I'm in is a very blessed one because for one, there's not too many artists that you see, no matter whether they ABC or D list that you see literally their main focus is how can I use my platform to make an impact? You mm-hmm. see most people saying, how can I use my platform to get a Grammy? How can I use my platform to get a money? Yeah. How yeah. can like, I use it for anything else? Um. So the fact that I'm able to say that I just want to use this to make a difference and, I get to spend just as much time as I do in a studio educating people. That's, that's the biggest blessing of it all. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a very like sacred thing to you. And it's just, again, so intentional. Like you're so intentional about what you're using your voice, your story and your narrative for, which is just like very admirable. Um, And I don't have any more questions for you, um, but like, this has been so lovely and wonderful. And I just want to give you the space to share anything else you may want to share um, before we wrap this episode up. So the floor is absolutely yours. Um, yes. yes.
1: One, I want to say thank you to you, Taylor, for having me on here. Thank you to Hannah. Thank you to the entire speaker Truth team. I really, <laughs> really appreciate you all. Um, to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Oh, make sure that you follow me on all social media platforms at 2 a.m. Ricky. That's the number 2 a.m. like in the morning. R-I-C-K-Y. Uh, stream my new single cream and also make sure that you add me to your Spotify, add me to your Apple Music. Make sure you got your notifications on because I do have a new project that I'm working on. It's called What You Pack. Right, And this EP actually touches on everything we talked about on this interview, Taylor. So what you're it is is a new EP that I'm working on. And it's basically, if you gave a Black boy a diary, what's it going to say? So I'm going to have all of the issues that come from a masculine perspective, from dating to being in domestic violence relationships to mental health to the things that we see and we experience and doing it from our perspective. So y'all do not want to miss that project. Y'all want to make sure y'all go get it. Y'all want to make sure you're the first person that listens to it. So you can go ahead and you gonna add A and Ricky to all of your
0: stuff. That's right. That's right you are. And we're going to put it in our show notes. So you didn't have to take notes at all. You just click it and link it and everything's going to be there so you can support Tua and Ricky as much as possible. I cannot wait. I'm going to be the first. I'm going to be the first to listen <laughs> to the new project. Sorry, y'all. Um, But Again, this has been so incredible. Thank you so much for taking time, energy, and effort just to shed light on all these incredible topics and just show up as your most authentic self. Um, I absolutely know this episode is going to resonate with so many people. Um, So again, thank you so much. And I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. What an awesome conversation that was. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Share Your Truth Live on mental health and trans awareness with our amazing guest, 2AM Ricky. We're grateful for everybody who tuned in. You can learn more about 2AM Ricky and his work at 2AM Ricky, which is 2-A-M-R-I-C-K-Y on Instagram and Spotify. As always, you can visit speakyourtruth.today for additional information and resources as well.